Digital Marketing Radio, episode 105. How important is reputation management? DigitalMarketingRadio.com I'm David Bain and this is Digital Marketing Radio, weekly interviews with top online marketers. Catch up with all the previous episodes at DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain Today I'm joined by Chris Sanfilippo. Now, Chris is the president of Rank KO, a reputation management consultancy. So you can find them over at rankko.com. So, Chris, does every business need to be concerned about reputation management? Absolutely. Um, you know, when people search for your, for your company name um, or even your pers- your individual name, it's really important, the content that they find in search engines, um, you know, before they even finish typing your name into Google or, or Bing, um, you know, there's already recommenda- uh, recommendations being made uh, as to recommended queries. So, you know, for example, if someone types in uh, McDonald's and then they hit the space bar and it says locations, reviews, complaints, you know, the complaints is going to pop out. So before they even go to your site, before they even hit enter in the search bar, there's already recommendations being made. So um, and then, of course, when they search for your company name, they're going to want to find your website, reviews, things like that. So if you just have your website, um, your reputation really is up for the for the taking. You know, anyone that writes a review, good or bad, it's uh, it's really up for someone else to decide how your brand appears. So is the vast majority of reputation management focused on search engines or are, is social media, for instance, becoming more and more important? Social media is important, but the area that we focus on specifically is within the search engines and uh, controlling how things show up in Google search results. Okay, that's an interesting example that you used about um, someone typing in and beginning to type things in and uh, seeing Google suggest for um, different uh, queries there. Um, yeah. Is, is that something that um, is quite easy to actually control? No, it's really not. It takes a lot of effort um, because it's based on what people are actively searching for. So how do you go out and, and get a thousand people you know, to, to search for something different, to introduce new recommendations into Google's autocomplete? Uh, it's not something that's easy to do. And uh, you know, there's, a few, there's a few ways to uh, get more people to search for that, but you know, just going out and asking people to say, hey, can you go and type in, for, uh, type in my company name uh, reviews into Google, it's not going to work like that. You know, you have to make an actual effort to introduce new queries. So one method that we're using that's actually pretty interesting, and I think it's probably very unique, uh, is to actually take the search query. So basically you go to Google, um, you type in, for example, if we want to do it for rank KO, let's say we did rank KO reviews. Let's say we wanted that to be a recommendation. So we would type in rank KO reviews, and then we would take the URL that is generated after you hit enter, and we um, put that into uh, an email newsletter or into social media. And instead of putting this big, long, crazy, ugly URL, we put it into a Bitly shortener. So basically, the people click on the the Bitly link, um, or they just you know if it's if it's in social media, they'll click the Bitly link, or if it's in an email, you know, just have an anchor text. Um, so they you know they just see it and they click it. So by doing that. Um, as long as you're not misleading people, uh, it's a very helpful way to introduce a new query into Google Autocomplete. Okay, um, so the most efficient ways of introducing a new query would be, first of all, getting lots of people to actually visit that page, but then linking to that page using keyword-rich text. Are, are, are there any other ways that um, it's possible to really um, make it likely for Google to be 
ranking it quite highly for suggested terms? Um, well, for the autocomplete, we wouldn't link it to the page itself. We would link it to the Google search page, the search results page. So right, okay, got you. Okay, um, it's, it's that's really interesting actually because um, it's not an area of of, of SEO that I've focused on a lot, you know, and I've 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 covered lots of different uh, areas of SEO in the past. So, um, it's it's incredible how many so many different areas of digital marketing knit nicely together and impact each other. Um, do you find that you just focus on reputation management, or or there are different other areas of digital marketing that you tend to actually get involved with as well? Uh, well, we, we definitely offer search engine optimization, but, um, you know, that's really where our company lives is within the search results. So, you know, we, we do SEO, uh, local SEO, national, national SEO. Um, but as far as, you know, reputation management, it's pretty much mostly just, uh, focusing on Google search results. So, so yeah, we really like to stay, you know, hyper-focused on Google search pretty much. Okay, uh, so what about the other way around? Um, if a business actually is aware of a result in Google search that um, is quite negative about themselves as a business, um, mm -hmm. what are some of the better ways to actually um, make that result go a little bit further down and, and not as likely to be clicked on by someone? Absolutely. Um, so microsites are by far one of the best strategies for reputation management. So um, there's a, there's two things to it. There's microsites and then there's also, you know, the business listings, um, you know, and then another strategy is, uh, you know, guest posting, but also just uh, good old fashioned PR getting press from an authoritative news site. So, um, the strategy that we start with, um, we start from easy and, and go to, towards the more difficult tasks, but, uh, you know, for a local business, um, it, we're going to focus on the standard Google plus Yelp build up those pages because we know those two obviously typically rank uh, on page one for most business names. And then after that, you'll have microsites, which is the next natural step. Um, you know, so an example for a microsite, like let's say you're a local business, um, you let's say you donated to a charity, you could create a page all about that cause and maybe have a, a forum where people can also donate to that cause, maybe where you're hosting pictures and things like that of, of your efforts. Um, you know, different ideas like that, like maybe sponsor a local, you know, kids baseball team. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, you just have unique um, group within your company, like, uh, you know, a small team, uh, innovation team, things like that. Um, you know, there's just like a, a lot of different ideas that you can use for microsites that, you know, think about, think about it like this, instead of writing, you know, a few pages of content about this one thing on my site, is this something that I could create a microsite for? So you build up the microsite, you try to get lots of unique content for it, um, you know, maybe build out social profiles specifically for that microsite. Um, you know, Ogilvy and Mather is someone that does this really well. They have Ogilvy Labs, they have um, they have different accounts and different websites for all of their different locations. And if you type in a bunch of Ogilvy and Mather keywords into Google, you're going to find lots of microsites, you're going to find lots of different social accounts. They've really done a really nice job. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't even for reputation management, it's just the way that they run their their branding. Um, but it's a great way to just take up more real estate in the search results. Okay, so um, some businesses have uh, good reputation management just because of luck maybe or because of um, uh, the, the way that the IT guys happen to design their sites. Um, so exactly. by microsites, um, do you mean um, completely separate domains? And exactly. Oh, you, you do, okay. Um, yeah. Because a, a few years ago, it used to be possible to do quite well in reputation management by doing things like um, building pages on 
HubSpot and Squidoo and, and, and websites like that, even using articles as well. Is that something that you tend to steer away from nowadays and actually just go for a domain name that you would own as a business? Yeah, the web 2.0s aren't aren't um, all that effective anymore. Um, so the, you know, hosting a separate domain, um, building a website on a separate domain is definitely going to be a lot more helpful. And it's going to be specific by the industry too. So um, what we do is we look at we look at the industry that the client is in and and then we go and we pull a ton of data and we say show me all the websites that rank on page 1 for plumbers. Uh, you know, and we'll just take We'll just take a whole bunch of data and then we'll put it into a, a spreadsheet and we'll say, well, you know what? Um, the most common website we're finding, the most common domain is Yelp. And then it's, uh, you know, then it's Angie's List um, and then it's YouTube. You know, we'll just look for that. And sometimes you'll find you'll find specific websites that, you know, are going to rank on page one for that industry. And it saves a lot of time. So instead of, you know, building all the microsites, you can go and just uh, create business listings. Uh, and for some reason, Google's gonna, you know, basically show these business listings very higher. It's going to give more, more authority to those, uh, for that industry. So for example, in law, you have, um, Abio, uh, com, I think the name of it is, and that's just a website that always ranks for, for lawyers just all the time. Okay. That's interesting, actually. And it's a, it's a good few tips there just actually to go to Google and see what kind of websites rank highly for, for that type of industry. And, um, are ranking highly, I suppose, for competitor brand names as well uh, that are doing a good job at reputation management. Yeah. What about um, the ethics of reputation management? So if a business perhaps um, isn't doing some good things or has done done some things that isn't so good in the past, but um, yeah. it's true that um, that's what they did, um, is, it, is it ethical and right to try and scrub that information from Google? Exactly. That's, it's really, really important, you know, to make sure that you're actually doing good, in, you know, in society. I mean, if there's a, if there's a doctor out there or a business that's just doing, doing bad things, uh, you know, if they have, you know, 200 reviews on Yelp and they're all bad, you know, there's probably a reason for that. So, um, you know, it really, the, the, it's, it's really a strange world we live in because, you know, Google is in control of, um, you know, how businesses appear on the web, which businesses show up when you, when consumers are searching for them. And then, you know, as far as reputation management agencies are concerned, you know, they're really in control of, of their own ethics. You know, if they want to take on the client, they can. But, you know, it's a it's a big responsibility, especially if your if your rep management services are effective and you're able to suppress these things. You know, are you really doing good by you know, hiding this information from consumers, because I'll, I think I know that if I was going to find a dentist for, you know, my kid um, by doing a search on Google, I would definitely want to know if they did something, you know, that wasn't that wasn't OK with me. You know, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want that information to be buried. So, you know, before we work with any client, we we do our research and we we say, OK, is this something that, you know, are we doing good by helping this person? So, you know, with on, you know, online defamation, those are really the cases where it's usually good. It's usually OK as far as ethics, because, you know, that means someone's going out of their way to, you know, uh, to basically damage that company's reputation. It might be a competitor, might be one angry customer, things like that. But a lot of times we run into cases where the company is consistently doing something wrong. And, uh, you know, if that's the case, then it's better to just 
to just leave it alone and say this isn't the kind of case we would we would want to work with. Okay. Um, would you ever try and have a conversation with a company and say, look, your product sucks. You know, that's why you keep on getting bad um, press online. So sort that first of all, or is that just, just not worthwhile in the majority of circumstances? Typically, we just say, you know, we, we typically don't take these kind of cases, um, you know, and we just leave it at that. You know, we don't want to <laughs> there anyone up you know <laughs> um going back to microsites a little bit actually um obviously with regards to seo um if you have multiple sites on the same server and the same ip address then you're probably less likely to get that ranked and google is more likely to be aware that um, that site is probably from the same owner um going down the microsite strategy do you actually, do you actually try and get sites on different servers uh, when you do that you know, it's really important. Most people don't realize um, how important that is, but uh, it comes back to the domain crowding update, which, um, you know, Google's goal was to be able to identify who's managing different websites um, so that, you know, it was, I think it was mostly for links, but, you know, they want to know if, if nine people are linking to, to one site, are those nine websites owned by the same person? Because if so, those links are going to be less valuable. Um, also, they want to make sure that, one domain isn't showing up more than twice in, in Google search results, um, obviously, unless it's like a branded search. But, um, you know, they wouldn't want one business to have mul be operating multiple websites and ranking that for a competitive keyword. Um, so what we do is we we host uh, the microsites on different hosting accounts. You know, everything really has to be different. It's you, you have to be really careful. Um, you know, you can't use Google Analytics logins. You can't share them. Uh, Google Webmaster Tools logins, um, you know, you want to use a different hosting provider, you want to use a different CMS, everything's really got to be diverse. And, um, you know, it, it just has to be as diverse as possible. Because if you go and if you just like, let's say you just go buy five domains under the same hosting account, let's say you just buy the .com version, the .net, the .org, and all the other TLDs, um, you know, Google's going to know that, you know, it's the same guy managing these sites. So, it's going to make it a lot more difficult to to take up that SERP real estate that we're trying to get. And what about the owner of the domain? Should that be different as well? I'm sorry, the order? The the owner, so the the admin details of the person actually managing the domain. Yeah, it should it should definitely be different. I mean, you can do the um, uh, domain privacy, but uh, I'm not 100% sure if Google is able to see through that or not. But um, you know, it's best bet just to go ahead and make that diverse as well, and just use use a variety of names. Uh, you know, addresses and things like that. I mean, which, whatever you have the access to, really. Okay. Uh, so what about ongoing reputation management? If you've got to a stage that you're quite happy with what appears in Google for your brand, that's that mm -hmm. not necessarily going to exist forever. Um, what kind of tracking mechanism do you recommend to ensure that you stay on top of um, any negative negativity that could be happening? Oh, uh, for that, we're using uh, SERPWU. Um, it's it's really uh, started out as a niche tracker, and uh, you know it's it's basically the best ORM monitoring tool out there. Um, but it allows you basically what this tool does is um, you put in your query, your search term. So for example, you'd want to do your brand name um, and any other suggestions that Google is recommending. Um, the common ORM keywords are uh, you know uh, company name plus you know reviews, scam, lawsuit, ripoff, complaints, all those. But, um, you know, I would I would basically put I would be tracking all branded keywords 
Um, you know, you can pull that data from SEMrush or something like that. And uh, basically what you're going to do is um, you're going to, this tool is going to go and search Google for that keyword. And it's this chart, this tool is going to show you a chart with the top 20 search results, but it's going to show you how those search results move over time. So if you're tracking, let's say, let's say some company sued you and uh, you know, there's an article in the local newspaper about it uh, or not the local newspaper, but a local news site. And uh, you want to see how that, that search result is moving around in the search engines over time. You could track that and say, okay, it's going up, it's going down. It's, you know, we're improving our ORM or it's, you know, it's not working. Um, but also you could take that specific URL and you could see all of the keywords that it ranks for. So you can essentially track the exposure, um, the overall impressions that a negative search result is getting over time. And you can put that on a chart. So that's something that enterprise, you know, for enterprise campaigns and for large brands that, you know, really value the reputation is important to them. They want to say, um, you know, this negative um, negative article, you know, what is the what is the overall exposure to that article? The impressions that we're seeing in search results, is it increasing? Is it decreasing? Is the ORM campaign working? So it's, it's really, really, really a good tool. Okay, well, that's a, yeah, a, gr a great tool by the sound of it and a, a good recommendation. Um, but yeah. I'm going to be asking you for another one in a second because um, okay. let's segue into the second section of our discussion. So that focuses on your thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So <laughs> what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? Oh, man. Um... I mean, definitely, definitely using SERPU to monitor the search results is important. Um, you know, so we already discussed that one, but I'd say aside from that, uh, mention is a really good one just to monitor uh, what's being said about your brand on the web. Do you know the um, URL so for that at all? For uh, mention, from I think it's mention.com. Mention.com. Okay. I can just imagine me searching for that one afterwards to, to include in the link and just searching for mention and that maybe being difficult to find. Oh, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, that that tool is really great just because it's um, it's crawling the web uh, to see where your brand's being mentioned. And it's not just social media. It's crawling news websites, blogs, forums, um, anything that really a crawler can access. Uh, you know, it's going to crawl that and it's going to see where your brand's being mentioned. And it's going to give you a, a really nice interface um, so that you can actually log in and reply right through this tool. Um, and you know, it's really good if you're, if you're managing your brand and you want to be able to, um, you know, you want to be able to reply to customer feedback, complaints, customer support tickets, things like that. Uh, it, it's a really great tool for just monitoring your brand on the web. Okay. A slightly more challenging question. Um, what piece of software don't you use now, but you've heard good things about and you intend to try at some point in the near future? Um, don't use, let's see. Hmm. It's hard to say because I, I love I love tools. I'm absolutely obsessed with tools. So I I feel like I've tried most of them. You know what tool? Uh, Monitor Backlinks is a tool that we we just started a, a free trial with and we're, we're testing that one out. But it looks it looks very promising. But Monitor Backlinks is a tool that uh, allows you to monitor the backlinks to your website. And um, you know, it, it's really good because you could just monitor and see if someone's, you know, building backlinks to your site. Um, it, it's basically, it's kind of like tracking your mentions, but um, it's it's deeper than that, really. 
one of the one of the higher level enterprise ORM threats is, you know, the whole concept of negative SEO. Um, whether or not it's effective um, or not is is not really relevant. For some reason, a lot of these larger companies they want to track, you know, these attempts by people to hurt their their brand and their online reputation. So, if uh, if someone's actively building backlinks to what we call a negative property, which is uh, you know uh, basically a, a page that has negative sentiment about your brand, like a law article about a lawsuit in a news site, they want to know these brands want to know is someone building backlinks to that page to try to promote it. So um, that's what monitor backlinks is a great tool for is just to be able to report that um, to the client, show them, yes, someone's building backlinks or no. And it pulls data from Ahrefs and a bunch of other sources, too. I'm not sure if it has the big three, you know, with Majestic and Moz as well, but uh, it is pulling data from a bunch of different sources. So uh, it's a great tool. But one thing that I think is really important, I'm not sure if they have this feature yet, but, um, you know, to be able to track. Uh, like tiered backlinks would be really good because, um, you know, kind of with a lot of the black hat strategies, one of the things that they do is they won't just build backlinks to the negative page itself. They'll mm -hmm. build, a t you know, tiered backlinks. So you'd want to monitor all the backlinks to that negative page and then all the backlinks to those pages and then all the backlinks to those pages. So it's kind of like, a, you know, a pyramid of backlinks that you'd want to be monitoring over time. So if... Um a company find that they're getting lots of backlinks suddenly built to their domain name that's probably negative SEO. Are you a believer in using the disavow tool? Uh, I mean, I I would use it just to be safe, but whether or not it's it's really going to do anything, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to say. In, in this situation, it's different from just a regular SEO campaign, um, you know, because I feel like no matter what, with these negative properties, um, they're going to, it's going to help it no matter what. It seems like no matter what you do, it's easy to help the negative properties from increasing ranking, whether it's sending links to those, sending traffic, sending, uh, you know, social signals, you know, it just seems like anything is going to help these negative properties to, to rise in the search results. So using the disavow tool, I mean, I would do it if it was a owned, you know, I would do it if it was a owned page, but, you know, in this situation, you don't, you don't own the domain. It's, you know, it's on like some news site or someone else's website or even like a blog spot, you know, blog spot article. Um, so you won't be able to use the Disavow tool because you don't actually own the domain. Okay, well, um, thanks for those recommendations. What I'll do is I'll um, go back um, and include links to them within the show notes on digitalmarketingradio.com. But let's move on to... I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Ah, uh, let's see. I would, I would probably have invested in pay-per-click because I didn't realize how long it would take to, uh, to rank a website. Um, so, it, you know, I started doing SEO on this website and, you know, it, it took about six months to rank it. And, um, you know, the whole time I was just getting all, all wired up saying, why isn't it ranking? Why isn't it ranking? And, uh, you know, that's one of the things you, you learn, uh, when you start doing SEOs, it doesn't happen overnight. And if you're going to invest money in something, you know, that you need an instant ROI on, pay-per-click is obviously going to be a better choice than SEO. 
Okay, well, I'll be very interested in one of your answers to this next section. Um, okay. So, <laughs> moving on to... The this or that round. So, this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions and just two rules here. Try not to think about the answer too much, and you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. So, ready to go? Ready to go. Email or Twitter? Twitter. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Display. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Telephone number. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Social subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Local marketing. You couldn't get the answers out quick enough there, could you? (laughs) No. That's impressive. I think that's almost a world record. <laughs> Maybe Thank have you. to uh, award you with the record for the fastest pace there. That's and and you said that. <laughs> you you said SEO very very quickly when I said paid search oh, yeah. or SEO. Yeah. So yes, um, it's even though you can drive traffic, you know, straight away from pay per click, you absolutely still need to do SEO no matter what your business is. Do you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, well, I wouldn't say always. I mean. If you're in a very competitive industry, you know, and it's going to if you're going up against, you know, massive companies and you have a small budget, I mean, it's going to be difficult to get any page one rankings. But, you know, long tails, anyone can go for long tails. If you have the time and if you get the heart, you know, you can put you can put a lot of content out there, help a lot of people and start to drive some long tail traffic. But yeah, I'd say o- overall, I'd say definitely there, there's no doubt about it. Most companies can benefit from SEO. The $10,000 question. So if I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Facebook ads. Um, Custom audiences uh, all the way. Um, You know, the email list feature is really, really good. You can basically target your Facebook ads at any users, uh, you know, that you want. Uh, it's just a matter of finding the emails and with with tools like uh, URL profiler, uh, it makes it really easy. So, for example, let's say I wanted to target Facebook ads at um, bloggers about a specific topic. I can go and pull all that data. I can use URL profiler, which will go and crawl their site, find their email. And at this point, you know, if you were to take those emails and directly email them and solicit them something that's, you know, that's technically spam. But if you take that email list and you upload it into a custom Facebook campaign, uh, an advertising campaign, um, custom audience, basically it's going to look for a match and it's going to say, okay, you uploaded 10,000 emails, uh, out of all of those emails, 5,000 were a match. Um, so now your ad is going to be served to these 5,000 people. And as long as you put a, you know, cost per click or a CPM bid, that's high enough. Your ad is going to be displayed to the exact people that you defined when you were pulling your data. So do you think Facebook ads work for a company like yours that um, really focuses on a business-to-business type service? Not as well for a business-to-business, but B2C, definitely. It, it depends. If you have, um, if your audience is more of a technical savvy audience, or especially if you're targeting you know, marketers, it's way easier. But uh, yeah, for B2, B2B, it's a lot more difficult to get the email. Well, it's, it's not difficult to get the email, I should say. It's difficult for the email to match the Facebook login because nobody uses their company email address, you know, to log into Facebook. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a challenge. And are you a big yeah. fan of Facebook retargeting as well, or is it custom audiences that you prefer? No, we just go for the custom audiences and go for the, the new visitors, the new traffic. Okay, great. My number one takeaway. Well, that takes us um, towards the end of our conversation there. Um, but number one takeaway first. So you've offered a, a lot of great um, advice in our conversation. But um, what would you say is the number one most important step that um, our listeners need to take away and implement within their own businesses? Um, I would say that when it comes to uh, managing your, your online reputation, um, there's no need to reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, take a look at a lot of other businesses in your industry and see what's ranking on page one for their business name, even look on page two. And if you see websites starting to appear more and more, um, that means that for, for this specific industry, that business listing site or, or that, um, you know, that map listing site or whatever it may be, uh, or that directory, that one is going to rank higher based on the industry that you're in. So uh, those are going to be the websites that you want to go and build your business listings on first. And if you go and you do that and you get, you know, get a dozen of those, you're going to have a good shot at, you know, really maintaining a good base for your online reputation because you're controlling, you're somewhat controlling the first page of search results. Okay. And if you're making five or six of those different business listings, I would imagine you would advise them to, to be all unique content if possible. Well, with the business listings, it's not going to, you know, it's really doesn't matter because a lot of times you just get away with, you know, your business name, address, phone number, hours of operation and your website. That's pretty much it. Take a, you know, paragraph from your about page and yeah, there's little effort really needed on those. So those are pretty easy wins. Okay, interesting. So the domains are so strong anyway, you know, they're, they're, they're going to rank anyway. Yep. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time, Chris. You know, um, you've offered a, a lot of great advice there. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Um, they could visit our website, rankko.com or ranko.com, or uh, find us on Twitter. Or find me on Twitter, csanfilippo01. Lovely. Okay. And I'll uh, include links to all of that in the on the show notes as well. So, uh, yeah. Thank you again. Thanks, David. Have a good one. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us as well. We see you next time on. Uh, Thanks for joining us again. Bye-bye for now.